The eastern gate of the old city of Jerusalem is the only one of its nine gates that is closed. Why is it closed, and when, if ever, will it be opened? What is its significance to Bible prophecy, and how does it relate to the location of the ancient Jewish temple? Stay tuned for an interview with a teacher of biblical archaeology who in 1969 made the startling discovery of the location of the gate that existed before the current one. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Once again this week, my colleague Nathan Jones and I are delighted to have as our special guest one of the best-known teachers of biblical archaeology in all of Christendom. His name is Dr. James Fleming. But before I introduce him to you, I want to make a few comments about this picture here behind me. This is a photo of the eastern gate of the old city of Jerusalem. It's called the Eastern Gate because it faces east. It's also known by other names like the Golden Gate. It was closed in the 1500s when the current walls were rebuilt by Suleiman the Magnificent. The Bible indicates that the gate will remain closed until the Messiah returns. Over the years there has been much debate over whether or not the Eastern Gate at the time of Jesus was located here or some other place along the wall. No excavations could be made because of the Muslim cemetery that is located in front of the gate. But in 1969, our special guest on this program, Dr. James Fleming, accidentally discovered the location of the first century gate. He is here to tell us that fascinating story and to explain the significance of his discovery. Great to have you back, Dr. Fleming. Thank you very much. Dr. Reagan, in his intro, said that you accidentally discovered the Eastern Gate. Accidentally? I hope you wouldn't notice that part of it, but yes. I can't take any credit for it. I'd like to be able to say after years of study and research, I finally found it. It was a heavy night of rain in the spring. Uh, and uh, This is 1969 now? It is. I was a student in master's level in archaeology. And I thought I'd take some pictures of Jerusalem's city gates. And as I was walking through the Muslim cemetery on the east side of the city, I got close enough to uh, look up and was taking a picture of the arch. And I didn't realize the rain the night before had loosened the stones at the top of a tomb there. Yeah, limestone absorbs water. Well, and uh, it was pretty heavy rain too. But just as I went click the tomb collapsed. So, the actual phrase needs to be stumbled upon. There you go. That sounds Discovering the eastern gate. You Uh, fell into this tomb? Yes, and those who know me well think I landed on my head, but no. (laughs) Uh, Fortunately, enough stones fell in with me that I could stack them up, climb on it, jump up and chin myself and get out. Uh, because there was no one. Uh, it was an eight foot drop. Eight foot. And it actually was a mass burial grave. There were 46 skeletons. Actually, I didn't count them right away. That was after I found out there was enough stones to get out and there wouldn't be 47 skeletons. <laughs> but, uh, so there's bones all around you when you're dying? Probably it had been some disease. 
I would guess by there was still some cloth and some cartilage. I would guess it was about a hundred years previously that that burial had been put there. There were not records for that particular. Did you realize immediately the opportunity you had? Well, as my eyes got used to the dark, I could see the beyond the skeletons, the back wall of the tomb was the earlier wall, the same line as the one we looked at for Dr. Reagan's introduction, uh, continued eight feet below ground. And what was amazing is completely preserved stones in nice wedge shape of the top of an earlier gate, hmm. meaning that gate is fully preserved. Do you have any evidence of this? Did you photograph it, for example? Unfortunately, not only did I get a picture or two, but they came out. <laughs> because an uncharacteristic Middle East efficiency, when I brought my archaeology teacher back the next day after class, they had already cemented over the tomb. No. Really. And it's because it is a Muslim cemetery, a sensitive place. So I was glad the picture came out. I, I, my archaeology teacher, Dr. Kohavi, didn't seem that impressed. I think he thought I, you know, landed on my head. Until back when this days, it was slides. You know, it took a while to get the picture developed and back until he saw the picture, and then we realized that yes, that and the uh, spring of that arch coming up is exactly under the left hand arch today, which means that the present gate preserves what was probably two arches because it's the first quarter of that semicircle exactly below the first quarter of the semicircle above. You know, I guess it really wasn't too surprising to find the ancient gate directly below the current one because in most of the excavations in Israel, don't they find that they built right on top of them and the gates were right on top of each other? Gates have good memories. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason for putting a gate where yes, you Yes, and there's usually a road to an important site like Jaffa Gate or yes. Damascus Gate. And so they tend to be in the relative same part of the wall. What is remarkable is that it's exactly under it and that this earlier gate's well-preserved. I know, I know some questions that are in our viewers' minds okay. uh, who don't know anything about this part of the world. And that one thing would be, how do you end up building gates on top of a gate? So are you talking about debris piling up or something? What's going on here? Yes, you tend to have dumps outside the city. <clears throat> so outside the city wall builds up. And so cities need, and the closest we get to that in the U.S. is a new layer of asphalt in front of the house. But in ancient times, cities are getting higher because the city is getting higher. But this was particularly true of the Temple Mount because when they, for example, when they destroyed it, when the Romans destroyed it, for example, and well, even when the Babylonians did, they pushed debris off the Temple Mount and it built up and built up, didn't it? Picture uh, the temple is on the east side of the city and that when uh, the Romans cl cleared it in, after 70 A.D.'s destruction to build a temple to Jupiter, they couldn't dump debris north, west, or south because that was still city. But on the east was a steep slope in the Kidron Valley. Uh, so the eastern side of the city became a dump. Yes. Now, would Jesus have gone through that gate or anybody in, in biblical well, that's history uh, another gone through that question, gate? And we're, we cannot be sure. Uh, Luke's gospel gives most details for Palm Sunday. He descended the Mount of Olives and entered the temple. It is quite a... So descent. it doesn't say which gate. 
But what we do have is that some excavations by Charles Warren mm-hmm. outside the old city under the cemetery, he got permission to dig by saying he was going to dig a well yes. somewhere else and then turned directions and did a horizontal well. I've never <laughs> heard of that. But he actually found um, some of the stones from the temple collapse wall. He found that's where one of the stones was that had the warning that a non-Jew should not proceed into the court of Israel. So we should not be surprised that debris from the temple ended up being thrown out on the eastern side. So we've got tons of debris here, and you cannot excavate it because there's a Muslim cemetery. In uh, Israeli law, a cemetery is considered a religious property. Yes. So you'd have to have permission. Yes. And in these times of political tension, it's hard to imagine. So your falling down the grave was a propitious moment when you were able to and see. Now, do you believe that the gate that you discovered below the current one, do you believe it dates from, say, the time of Jesus? Um, It was probably there before his time. It's kind of complicated to get into it all now. But below the present gate, there's ruins of two other gates, and you can see uh, even uh, at ground level. Oh. You can see them better inside. Wow. Uh, we do have sources in the 5th century A.D., and one in the 4th, Christian sources saying uh, that you could still see the threshold and some of the doorposts of the eastern gate. So in hmm. the Byzantine period, the eastern gate was a ruin okay. of which means that this is probably just after the Byzantine period. Okay, now, one of the things that is important about this discovery is that there's a lot of controversy about where the temple was actually located on the Temple Mount. And a lot of that uh, relates to the location of the Eastern Gate. But for our viewers to understand that, I think what we're going to have to do is take a pause here for a moment and come back with a map of that whole area and talk about how the Temple Mount is laid out, where the gates are and so forth, and then talk about the location of the temple. Okay? Thank you. Jim, I want to talk with you just a minute about the relationship of the Eastern Gate to the location of the temple. But before we do that, I think we need to introduce our viewers to where what we're talking about. Uh, this is an outline of what the old city of the walls of the old city of Jerusalem as they exist today. This trapezoid here is the Temple Mount. This red circle here represents the Dome of the Rock. This uh, red line here to the north represents the Eastern Gate. The Kidron Valley runs right down through here, and the Mount of Olives is over here to the right. So the Eastern Gate is looking east. Now, Jim, some people have argued that, according to ancient manuscripts, uh, the priest stood on the steps of the temple, looked over the Eastern Gate to the pinnacle of the Mount of Olives, and watched the sacrifice of the red heifer. And they said, therefore, the temple has to be located up here to the north and could be built without touching the Dome of the Rock. What do you have to say about all that? All right. A good question. Um, Not only is the sacrifice of the red heifer mentioned, but the Day of Atonement with the uh, scapegoat. Uh, The priest's assistant takes the goat out the eastern gate and goes up to the Mount of Olives at a point where he can look from the back of of the Mount of Olives into the Holy of Holies, meaning the door of the temple is left open and the back of the curtain in the far west side of the temple. 
And as he confesses the sins of the people on the head of the goat, his eyes are looking to the symbolic presence of God Mm -hmm. in the Holy of Holies. This made some wonder, does that need to be a straight line from the temple to the Holy of Holies, uh, from the Mount of Olives, and that it would be here. But the tractate about this is called Kippurim. Now, what do you mean by tractate? That this is a collection of Jewish rules about the feast. Oral? Oral law? Yes, codified in the second century okay. A.D. So one of these mentions what? Kippurim, which is the plural for Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And it says that the priest is high enough on the Mount of Olives to look over the eastern gate. Mm-hmm. So this wall is relatively low vis-a-vis how high he is on the wall. Yes. So you understand it would not prove or disprove where the temple was because he's not looking through the gate. Yes. He's looking over the gate. Okay. So we still have some uncertainty. What has been found is an excavation in the 1880s by a British explorer named Warren. All right. He, from here dug a well to get permission from the Turks and came to a point up here and he came under the cemetery and he found 46 feet out from this wall is another wall that then curves in here. Mm -hmm. He followed that wall and it shows that again in that this wall was a part of a way of coming up here and then it's such a steep slope here having another probably a lower gate there. He only excavated this little section here. So he dealt, drilled straight down and then he started going Laterally, yes, yes. yes. I still don't understand though. Uh, was this the ancient wall? It or, seems or? to be a retaining wall a retaining outside wall. the temple wall. Okay. Because it was so steep. All right. Now what does all this have to do with the uh, location of the temple? Good idea. <laughs> and uh, to do with uh, the uh, way you get to the temple. Okay. Um, the Mount of Olives was... Uh, drew due east of Jerusalem, Messiah would come from the east, would plant his feet on the Mount of right. Olives, right, and enter Jerusalem. Yes. Jesus enters Jerusalem from the east on Palm Sunday. Jews wanted to be buried on the east side of the city to be near where Messiah would come. Mm-hmm. So many wondered, did Jesus enter through the eastern gate. Mm-hmm. The New Testament doesn't help us. It says at that point, he descended the Mount of Olives and entered the temple. Mm-hmm. There were two main entrances to the temple in the southern wall called the Hulda Gates. And, uh, H-U-L-D-A, Hulda. D-A, sometimes yeah. D-A-H. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main written sources say they served as the main entrance. The eastern gate was used for ceremonial purposes. Okay. On the Day of Atonement, and for the red heifer ceremony, the causeway of the red heifers. But again, I'm still going to press you on this. Yes. What does this have to do with the location of the temple? I mean, was the eastern gate in front of the temple or not? We don't know. You don't know. We don't know. If it was, the temple may have been further north, All right. but we cannot know for sure. What's your best guess? Are you willing to make one or not? I think that it's very important for the Romans, after they destroyed Jerusalem, to show that the Roman God is greater than the Jewish God is for them to put the temple they built to honor Jupiter exactly on top of where the Jewish temple was. And it was, uh, then that temple was destroyed by the Christians later, and then the site was left to ruin. 
But there is evidence that the Roman temple from 135 A.D. to the 4th century A.D. would, and some of the lines we see up here at the Temple Mount, does seem to be over where the Dome of the Rock is. So your best guess at this point is that the ancient temple was located where the Dome of the Rock is located. Because ancient wars were not only wars between armies, there were wars between gods. And you've got to show that your God's greater than their God. But the problem we have here is that the Muslims really have control of the... It's under Israeli sovereignty, but the Israelis turned it over to them. And when you go up there, you have to go through Muslim guards. Yes. You have to obey Muslim rules. Yes. For example, when you're walking around the Temple Mount, I can't touch my wife's hand. I can't pull out a Bible and read. I can't pray because they will not tolerate that. So they will not tolerate archaeological excavations Correct. up here. So we can't dig to find out for sure where the temple was. Would be great if there was that kind of tolerance that Jesus spoke about, speaking about Isaiah, my house should be called a house of prayer for all. Let me ask you something else. Right here, about here, is a small cupola. Yes. A very small cupola. It's called the Dome of the Spirit. Yes. It has the only outcropping, I think, of the uh, bedrock. uh, Bedrock, right there. And it's smoothed off. Many think that may have been the location of the Holy of Holies. What do you think it was? Um, it's hard to say. There is bedrock, of course, exposed sure, inside. Yes. But uh, here's the reason I'm cautious. Uh, when the temple is described by Josephus, he says it had courtyards on four sides. He says the eastern court was the largest, the northern court the southern court was the next largest, the northern court the next, and the western court was so small it served no purpose. This is just so far north, it makes many wonder, and I mean, it still fits for it to be the third largest courtyard, yes. but um, it just seems like it uh, is so out of center to have it that much further north. Now, Herod added south, west, and north yes. when he built the temple courtyards. But in summary, and I know people don't like that uncertainty, we have to have some caution here because sure. it was the Romans dug up the very foundation of the temple, again, to make a political mm-hmm. and religious statement. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was probably looting for the gold of the temple that made the saying of Jesus literally true, that not one stone would be left right. standing on another. So that makes it hard for the archaeologist to be able to have stuff to look at yes. 2,000 years later. Now, around this area, there can be no excavations on this side because of the Muslim cemetery. In 1967, when the Israelis regained this, one of the first things they started doing was excavating the south end yes. uh, and found remarkable things. Yes. One of the most remarkable to me is the huge mikvah they found here. I yes. mean, massive thing. Yes. You know, on the day of Pentecost, uh, Peter... Uh, 3,000 people responded, and he baptized them. And, uh, people There's always three dozen baptistry areas I know, they wondered, did he building. march them down to the Jordan River? No, he could have stepped right out sure. here and done it. Yeah. Sure. On this side, this is the famous, what Americans call the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall, but only a portion of it is revealed. And from here on, you have houses that make it difficult to uh, do yes. any excavations, yes. and also up here. Yes. So... We so outside the Temple Mount, there are, there are things that, unfortunately, there have been Muslim excavations a few places inside yes. to do with pipes and stuff like that. But we found where their dump was. And all the debris from that dump is now being scientifically this, uh, analyzed by Gabi Barkayi, yeah. uh, an Israeli archaeologist. I have another question for you, and that is in many, many, many drawings I've seen 
of the ancient temple at the time of Jesus, uh, they show a bridge going across the Kidron Valley mm-hmm. from the Mount of Olives to the Eastern Gate. Is there any archaeological evidence that such a bridge existed? No. Okay. But the written sources say that the priest goes across the causeway of the scapegoat and the causeway of the red heifer. That's because the Mount of Olives has tombs. Oh. And you don't, a priest was, does not want to be defiled yes. going on a tomb. But this is a wooden boardwalk. Okay. Temporarily constructed. Not a formal bridge. For the tomb. And so those who made those maps don't notice the details. It says that it was temporarily constructed okay. and then taken down. Now, all of this brings us to one of the great mysteries of uh, Bible history, and that is what in the world ever happened to the Ark of the Covenant, which relates, of course, to the temple and everything else. So, in just a moment, we're going to discuss that. Good. Welcome back to our interview of Dr. James Fleming, who is one of the foremost teachers of biblical archaeology. Dr. Fleming, your discussion on the location or the probable location of the temple made me think, ask, what is the, where's the Ark of the Covenant that's supposed to be in that temple? This is a very curious question that so many people have. It's interesting, we do know from the Bible in 2 Kings 25 that Nebuchadnezzar burned the house of the Lord, the king's house, every great man's house he burned with fire. That's our last specific mention of the ark. And you might guess some people wondered, did the Babylonians uh, destroy it? Uh, what is clear is when Ezra returns and rebuilds the temple in the early 500s, and later Nehemiah, the walls and things in the 400s, and later Herod the Great rebuilds it, no Jewish source speaks of the ark. In fact, right. the opposite. When the temple in the time of Jesus is described in Jewish memory, it says the Holy of Holies was an empty room. There was a stone that stood uh, three fingers high above the rest of the floor where the ancient Ark of the Covenant used to be. But behind the veil, the curtain, was an empty room. Jews were wise enough to, and they probably learned from the prophets, to know that God is not in a box, that the Lord could still be in their worship and their hearts. Uh, I'd rather have mercy than sacrifice, the Lord said. But there's no mention of it. And when the Romans destroy the temple in 70 AD, what do they show back in Rome on the victory arch? It's the temple uh, lampstand, the trumpets, things the like menorah, that. Yes. Yeah. No, no okay, let, let me just play with that for a moment. Now, I've read a lot of Jewish sources who truly believe that the ark is somewhere beneath the Temple Mount. And their argument is this, that it would have been unthinkable to have the uh, precious Holy of Holies in the Ark of the Covenant there without some sort of chamber that you could take it to and hide it in the event of a siege of Jerusalem. And so they argue that surely somewhere underground there, there was a special chamber where they put it. And they argue that the reason it was always empty during the time of the second temple was because they were under Roman occupation and they did not think it was appropriate to bring it out and put it in the Holy of Holies as long as they were under occupation. What do you have to say about that? Interesting theories. None of them mentioned at the time of the Roman period. These are later 
looking back. Yeah. It, uh, there certainly was time. It was several weeks from the, when the Romans broke in through the northern wall of Jerusalem until when they set the temple platform on fire. They could have secreted it away. On the other hand, we are told that they thought because it was a holy temple that God would protect them. And they even uh, brought the women and children just before it was all set on fire up to the Temple Mount. So um, they may have felt that it would maybe not fall, you know, that God would somehow send a miracle and the city would uh, survive. There are some who think that the ark was uh, raptured and taken to heaven Mm -hmm. and uh, that John saw it in Revelation uh, when he saw an ark in heaven. What about that? Again, that's one of those things. Is that a theological statement, or is it mentioning, you know, or is it also mentioning an event? Or what about Ethiopia? Uh, last year yes. they were going to have this big announcement. They were going to finally show the ark that's sitting in some church in Ethiopia. Have you been to that church? Yes, I have. It's in a city named Axum. Every year at the Feast of the Ark of the Covenant, it is on a procession from the Miriam church out to uh, a water source. And they say you can look at the reflection of the ark in the water, but you can't look at the ark. But there is a garment over it. Now, every Ethiopian Orthodox church has a replica of the ark in their own sanctuary mm-hmm. of their church. The replica looks nothing like the biblical drawings of it. And so I would be very skeptical. I know there are reasons for it. It has to do with the Queen of Sheba and Solomon. And well, I, I, and to me, that is just absolutely absurd yeah. that the, a son born between Solomon and the Queen of Sheba went back and got the ark and took it down there. Yeah, I, Solomon gave him as a yeah. gift. Oh, I, I, it's I, you know, just crazy. Well, let me ask you about this one. In Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, In those days when you are multiplied and increase in the land, declares the Lord, they shall say no more the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And it shall not come to mind, nor shall they remember it, nor shall they miss it, nor shall it be made again. Does that have to do with the millennial reign, or does it have to do with the temple during the tribulation, or what does it have to do with? Yeah. It seems like for the prophets that they are worried about people who put too much emphasis on a particular structure or cultic thing. And for them, of course, it was supposed to be the, the Lord really wanted mercy. And maybe this was against some people putting too much emphasis. What about the book of Maccabees? It says that uh, Jeremiah took the ark to uh, what modern-day Jordan and hid it there in Mount Nebo. Uh, it doesn't specifically say that in Maccabees, but this is a view that uh, is often mentioned. This was uh, made some people look at Mount Nebo. There are 16 places yeah. people have guessed where it was. So the bottom line is, we I don't hate know to what say happened it again. The we cannot be sure. Well, uh, Jim, uh, we our time is up, and I'd like to ask you to come back for just one more program. I know that's uh, asking a lot of you, but we'd like to uh, get into some issues that are currently being debated in the whole field of archaeology and get your opinion. All right. Exactly. Okay. Sure. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. Until next week, the Lord willing, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. What will happen when you die? This monumental question is answered by Dr. David Reagan's book titled, Eternity, Heaven or Hell. Many other questions concerning the afterlife are answered in this easy-to-understand book based upon the clear teachings of the Bible. Well, what about the resurrection and judgment? What will heaven be like? Is hell for real? Are there many roads to God? How can we be certain of life after death? 
Are you living with an eternal perspective? Many answers are provided to the most common questions people ask about life and death. And this book can be yours for a donation of $15 or more, plus the cost of shipping. Just call the number you see on the screen between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, or order online at lamblion.com. And while you're at it, consider ordering an extra copy for your pastor and church library. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministry, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 